Today on Locked On Canadians, one of our very favorite friends stops by to talk some prospects. We've got so much packed in this episode. David Reinbacher, Ryan Leonard, Will Smith, so much more with one of our favorite people and one of your favorite guests coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 867. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla and a very special guest. Scott, I'm going to throw to you to introduce our special guest, um, just because... I don't want to, you know, it, he's he's somebody that we love very much, but he's also somebody that you've wanted to have on for so many weeks now. So go ahead, Scott. Please introduce our wonderful esteemed guest. So we are joined by uh, former Habs Eyes on the Prize prospect expert and current, I believe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, head of QMJHL scouting for elite prospects, David St. Louis. And we are so happy to have you on. The EP guide came out last week. Go download that and purchase that if you can right now. You're not going to regret it. Uh, David, thank you so much for making the time for us. We know this is your busy season, uh, as it is with many scouting people. So we appreciate you making the time for us uh, today. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here answering your many, many draft questions. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess with that is is I'm going to kind of steer the first little bits here because this is like we've been planning this out forever and we've been talking about this forever. And I have been spewing on Twitter for longer than that. And people are tired of that. We're coming down to the nitty gritty here. The draft is in two weeks, uh, two weeks from today, Wednesday night, when we are recording this, the Montreal Canadians will walk up on the stage in Nashville, whether that be trading up. And we will get to that in our mailbag episode tomorrow. We have heard plenty on that, but we didn't have time to planogram that into the show today. People want to know. Will Smith, yes, and this is excluding Mishkov from this conversation here. Many people think the Canadians are going to go safe. They're going to take a Ryan Leonard, and we'll touch on Reinbacher later on. Many fans want them to take Smith. So, David, you being the prospect expert here, tell us about Will Smith. Tell us about Ryan Leonard, the strengths, the weaknesses, and can the Canadians really go wrong if they opt for one or the other at this point? I think the answer is no. It depends on what you value, really, because one projects as an amazing regular season player, Will Smith, and the other one projects as a really good playoff performer in um, Ryan Leonard. And honestly, Will Smith is very, very good at two things. He's elite in those things, and it's really his, his playmaking ability and his ability to move without the puck. So he's very good at giving passing options to his teammates, but it's really with the puck that he's become really amazing this season. He can make plays through opponents, around opponents. He He's super deceptive in the way he approaches the game. And his, his vision really, really stands out. And we've really liked him this season. It's just that we prefer players who have more dimensions to their game. So Ryan Leonard can 
can he can make plays like his playmaking i feel is underrated by the public uh, people think he's more like a shooter and puck retriever he is those things but he's also a pretty good playmaker it's just that he didn't have the puck as much this season playing with Perot and, and Smith. So he played more of a role on this line, but he has those playmaking skills. They're not as good as Will Smith, though. So he can play, can do pretty much everything on the ice, and he's better defensively, too. His skating, skating projects better. So we like that he had that he could do more things. He was more diverse than Smith. That's why we ranked him just a bit ahead of Smith. But honestly, either player would be a good choice, perhaps. It depends on if you want to bet on the super high ceiling. Or the guy with also a high ceiling, Leonard, but more of a safer floor to win, with, has more dimensions and projects better in the playoffs. I look at Ryan Leonard here, and one, he plays like someone who is much bigger than he is, that that yeah. new age kind of power forward style. But like you said, there is some, there's more layers to his game than it appears at first glance there. And then he, Smith, and Perot are all sticking together at Boston College next year, which just seems real easy. What does it seem like uh, Ryan Leonard's ceiling can be at the NHL level here? Is he a guy who can hit 30 goals? Will Smith seems like you said, a regular season player who can, you know, tally up assists like nothing because he's a very good playmaker. But Smith is that guy that kind of gives that extra push there. What's his ceiling as a goal scorer? Because it feels like that's something the Canadians are crying out for in this system. They have talented players. They don't have a outside of Cole Caulfield, I guess, and excluding him for obvious reasons right now, a bona fide goal scorer, it would seem, in their prospect pool, like a Ryan Leonard or not even Smith, I think, in that regard. Um, what's what's his ceiling at the NHL level in terms of a scorer? Yeah, I think Smith also has a pretty good shot. Like, I think Leonard's shot is better, and he could hit, like, that, that 30 goal, 35 goal mark and have just as many assists will become like a 60, 70 point player on the first line, the second line, depending on how your team is built. But yeah, he has that goal scoring upside. But I think Smith also has that goal scoring upside. It's just they're going to score in different ways. Smith is going to score more on the power play with a shot with Yashin Ulysse. And Leonard can score from distance. He can beat goalies from the top of the circle with a shot uh, with Yashin Ulysse, like scoring off the pass. And he can go near the net and score by just diving in and finding the puck there. So, yes, again, he has more dimensions as a goal scorer. And usually the reason we like this, and I keep talking about this, is that the more uh, players increase in level, uh, the harder it is to be uh, specialized. So you can't just do one or two things. You have to do multiple things because it becomes harder for your position to shut you down. Well, when you're talking about the player of the caliber of Will Smith, so when you're so elite in those categories, even if you're specialized, you usually find ways to score anyway. But with Leonard, I feel like his game is going to resist the transition to higher levels better, and he already plays a closer NHL game. So, again, that's why we ranked him ahead, but it was super close during the season. We kept debating this, and we're still debating it, and it's locked into place on our draft board, but... It, we we couldn't agree. It was it was really a 50-50 split inside our team, and we just had to decide at the end. So they're both goal scorers. Uh, one projects as goals to score closer to the net, and Smith more on the power play. I suppose before we transition into our next segment here and head into our first ad break, and I know this is something that I'm kind of springing on you, just what are your quick thoughts on Gabriel Perot? Because he's the one who led the... USNTDP team in scoring a new record, beating out Smith, who had an incredible season in his own right. And yet he's projected to go much 
not much later, but later on in this draft on many boards. And I can't quite wrap my head around why. Yeah. And we ranked him at 18, I think. And <laughs> the issue with ranking him there is that we're going, to, we're going to be wrong either way. If he really booms and becomes one of the better players out of this class, we're going to look bad. And if he really busts, because I think he's really a boom or bust, then having him, in, uh, having him in at 18 is a bit too high either. So we kind of split his upside in the middle, if I can say it like this. Like He's a boom or bust prospect because he's super, super smart, like very smart on the ice. But the skating isn't there, and he doesn't have really a physical game. And he's much more of a playmaker than a scorer. So again, this game is very specialized right now. And he looks more like a junior prospect than uh, someone who has a great uh, projectable NHL game. But the hockey sense is so good that it might not matter. He's going to find ways to adapt at the next level. So if you draft him high, you're banking that he's going to be able to adapt his game and add the extra skills he needs, like the separation speed and the agility to really survive in the NHL and thrive too on a top six line. Because he's not going to be someone you can really slot on a fourth line as a checker. So he's either top of the lineup or doesn't play that much at all. So that's why he's lower on some lists. NHL teams don't like risk when they draft high. So they might drop him a bit. But I feel he's going to go top 15 somewhere in a team that really values hockey sense and upside. So that's really interesting because we are going to talk a little bit about Galaxy rating a little bit later in this episode. I, I could not stop myself from tweeting as I was listening to you talk that I'm getting smarter by the second. Um, and we're going to talk about so much more. Obviously, the biggest name that people are throwing around right now, and I know there's some rumors that the Canadians are going to be trading up uh, or trying to trade up at the very least. And we're going to talk about all of that um, in just one moment. But first... This episode is brought to you by Game Time. How often do you find out that an artist you love is going to be in town and you try to get tickets and you're scrambling and you can't get your hands on any? Well, this keeps happening to me, but it no longer is going to happen to me because I've discovered Game Time. Getting tickets should not be stressful and you should be able to get them at the last minute. Game Time has flash deals and easy to use. It is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. You don't have to stalk your favorite artists on social media. You don't have to fight or sell a kidney to get your last minute tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets literally right up to the day of the event. You can get them on that day and you can get exclusive deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you're always gonna get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can snag the tickets without the stress on game time. Download the game time app, Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, it's time to discuss Reinbacher and what the Canadians are going to do. <laughs> they're going to make people angry is what they're going to do. And before we let uh, David do his thing here is being at the combine and talking with other members of the scouting community, other people in the media and everything, the general consensus is the same. He's not a bad player. He's <laughs> not, he's not going to hurt the team that he is drafted by in any way, shape or form. 
It's just that picking him at fifth overall is like bunting with the bases loaded when you can swing at anything and go for a home run. I like David Reinbacher. I like a lot of the elements of his game. He seems like a player who is very humble, knows what he's doing, very smart, and has lots a very solid base to build on. It's just unexciting. It is the beige paint of draft picks. And that might be a little mean, but it's <laughs> it, it, it's for a team that really wants to, you know, play with skill and pace and have all these exciting players. David Reinbacher is like showing up in a Toyota Camry when everyone else shows up in their like big fancy sports car to the event. I like him. I don't like him at fifth overall like him. I'm going to turn it over to you to try and convince me otherwise of this <laughs> statement. Yeah, because I, I kind of like him. Even at fifth overall, I think it's acceptable. That's the right word to use here, but it's not exciting, like you said. It really depends on how you value number two or three defensemen who put up 30 to 40 points but play really sound defense and move the puck and contribute positively to their team because they're not like fun. <laughs> they're not the players you see on the highlight reels. But um, Ryan Backer does have upside. We see the comparison with Cider quite often, and I made a video on this myself, so I, I kind of contributed to this. But it's really with, um, they're not the exact same, but you could see them follow a similar upward curve in their development because they played in lesser known uh, professional leagues in Europe. They, they played against professionals, so they didn't get to test their skills as much, push, push them as much. Um, they had limited ice time sometimes, although Ryan Backer did earn a lot of ice time toward the end and the middle part of the season. So I think there's upside there, offensive upside, even if he's not described uh, as an offensive defenseman at that much. Right now, what he is, is an above-average skater, so he's very mobile, he can defend the rush, he can, he's very aggressive too. And that's quite funny because he he's very humble kid, like he's, he's understated, if, uh, <laughs> if you can say it like this, but but on the ice, he's the exact opposite of this. He runs at people. He's very aggressive. He wants to hit. He wants to make plays. And so I think just this aggressive mentality and this confidence is going to give him development upside too because he's going to want to make plays. The biggest thing holding him back right now is his handling skills. So he's not the most precise handler, but he he could improve that. And it's easier to improve handling than skating overall. So he if he develops his handling and stays a confident player, and gets a bit more development time in Europe or in the AHL, I think you could see him uh, score some points at the NHL level and become a much better puck mover because his puck moving game already improved this year. Like He went from being a defenseman who only makes safe plays to someone who tries a lot of stuff on breakouts, and that's very encouraging. We want to see player improve during the draft year, and it did happen with Reinbacher. So I think he has that floor as a second pairing that's pretty high as a floor but i think you can say this in a for him and then he could get that 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 top pairing upside if he develops his offense so he's not like he's boring in some ways but there's upside there it's not only a safe pick someone who has the, the same ceiling as floor like there there's room there so i have a question though because i feel like one of the things that people are kind of getting discouraged by is is the is the cider comparison and again I don't like it's not on you it's everybody right it's like oh big German guy um and I feel like the issue that's happening is that like the the expectation is being created for a Moritz cider level player 
And I think that that's dangerous. And I think that that has people having a little bit of caution because it's Montreal, you know, the market and setting that kind of expectation. It, it, it already feels like a mismanaged expectation and the draft hasn't even started yet. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, uh, Reinbacker is better in his draft year than Sider was. So he's already ahead in, in that, that kind of comparison. It's just that Sider really boomed after his draft year. Like he had a great development team around him, not only the, the, the Red Wings, but he played for, oh, I'm sorry, I might, made a, I might make a mistake here, but I think it's Rogel uh, who, for which he played the team. They were really great at, at bringing out his, his strengths offensively, like teaching him to activate into the play. And those things you can teach another defenseman too. So yes, it's high expectations to compare um, Reinbacker to Sider, and it might not happen. But it doesn't have to happen fully for Reinbacker to improve. You can take this, you can apply the same teachings or the same lessons to Reinbacker's game, and he might end up as eighty percent of Sider, ninety uh, percent of Sider, eighty-five percent, something like this. So even if he doesn't complete the transformation, if he gets his game moving in that right way, uh, he's going to become more exciting too. I have a question too, is that he's playing obviously in the Swiss league. The NLA is not as an easy league to play in for a young player. And he went from seven minutes a night in his first game to 20 plus minutes a night across the season here. There's no need to rush him across into North America, but is this someone who is Reinbacher someone that if he were to step into the AHL in this upcoming year, he wouldn't look out of place kind of like David Yurichek and Simon Nemitz did uh, last season for their respective teams. Yeah. And in some way, I think you can compare him to those two defensemen last year. Like if Yurichek and Nemitz were playing in this draft class, they'd go, they'd be in similar spots on our board as Ryan Backer. We have him at ninth right now. So they're comparable prospects, I think. Yurichek was much more offensive than Ryan Backer. He had that playmaking instinct that, that, stands for activating the play that Reinbacker doesn't have, but Reinbacker is a much better skater than Juracek. So the, the, the game, the HL game is going to be easier for him in certain aspects defensively, but he's not going to make the same impact on the power play as Juracek immediately. But you want to put him in those situations, like really put him at the point on the power play, give him a lot of puck touches, for, enable, enable him to develop his offense. So the way players start becoming more creative is by giving him pucks and letting them experiment with them during games. So the more you can do that with Reinbacker, the more you let him marinate in lower leagues, um, the more it's going to improve. And that's why I think the, I keep coming back to the cider comparisons, but it matters when a prospect spend their draft year in a professional league because they don't get that, that kind of experience, that kind of room to experiment like someone playing on the USNTDP might have. So that matters and you have to give that to them. And the, the more they solidify themselves in their professional lineup, be it in Europe, in Europe and the AHL, the more they get those opportunities because the coaching staff trust them more. So the lesson here is just give him time. Even if he's, he looks ready because he's big and he's physical and he is more mature, he has details to his game already and he's, he's mobile, just let him be <laughs> a boy in, in a, couple, a couple more years, one more year in a professional league or in the AHL or over there in Europe and let him develop those skills. 
I think one of the things that I, this is why I love talking to you is because you always remind us of the little details and the little things to work on. The thing that's really interesting is that for me, like their NHL coach is that kind of guy who would have been perfect at a lower level to develop him, yep. right? Like Martin St. Louis is, is that guy. We're going to talk a little bit about Marty and who he's going to coach or who he'd like to coach um, later on um, in this segment. But up next, what we have is all of your questions. We asked your we asked for questions specifically for David, not not mailback questions like specifically for David and those are all coming up in just one moment in our final segment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. What are bird dogs? These are the most comfortable shorts that you will ever wear. And I'm actually quite bitter about how comfortable they are uh, because we all got shorts. Obviously, I gave mine to my brother-in-law. He absolutely loved them because they're stylish. They're comfy. They give you a sculpted look and you can wear it, you know, to take out the garbage or out, you know, to like, you know, a patio or whatever. Like these shorts are truly stylish and they're so comfortable. Um, and honestly, like they, they're, they're sweat wicking, they're comfy, like they keep you cool all day, summer's coming, get your hands on a pair of bird dogs or multiple. And if you do that now, and you go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order, you will obviously get the, the Yeti style tumbler. And I actually kept that I did not give that one to my brother in law, I was very jealous of the comfy shorts. So I kept that. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL and you will get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Um, this is actually the most, uh, I feel like well-behaved Maple has been. She keeps like coming over to like, take a look at us and like enjoying the conversation about <laughs> prospects and then walking away and not making any other noise, uh, unless Scott, you're disciplining her. But honestly, um, this is a really enjoyable episode. And I think the key is because we have Debbie here, who's giving us all his expertise in such an easy, fun to talk about way. And we wanted you guys all to get in on the action. So we asked for your prospect questions, and I just kept a list of them so that we can get into it. I think the first question is probably the simplest one, um, and it comes from our good friend Habs Laughs, who we will hopefully see on this show over the course of the summer. Who is an overager that intrigues you this year? It's not a very good year for overagers, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, there aren't many. I can name one from the queue that we didn't rank, but we did give him a C grade, meaning that he could be a good pick in the middle rounds of the draft. It's uh, Nick Finenko. He played for um, the Latvian team, uh, I, I think, at the World Juniors, and he was one of their better players. <laughs> and this is not maybe not saying much, but he's very he's been very good in the queue too. Like he's a very highly mobile defenseman who is very good at shutting down the rush um, and making safe plays in his own. He plays a bit like Jordan Harris would and uh, with the Canadian. But he plays that kind of game in junior, so he doesn't have much offensive upside, even if he scores points because he plays a lot. But his mobility, his rush defense, and his attention to details defensively, and this improving puck-moving game, I could put it like this, um, they, they, could, they would still make him a good pick. We had him uh, in our guy last year, and he's again uh, C-grade this year. Like maybe in the 5 to 7th round, you look at him, you draft him, and he becomes this safe number six number five uh guy on your team and he just plays a on your, your penalty kill and then he's just safe and he does his job so i uh, want to go back sorry scott did no. you have a follow-up to that 
Uh, no, because I'm just trying to find him actually on the league prospects <laughs> in the background. Right Nick now. Spinenko. Oh, man. <laughs> what team did he play for? Latvia. Bicomo uh, Drakar. There we go. All right. I'll and find that's it. another reason why he doesn't that. have much exposure. They're not one of the most scouted teams. There he is. Nick um, Spinenko. F-E. There he is. I really like him. Uh, I hope he gets drafted. He's playing as a defenseman. He's 18 years old. 40 points last year, 37 this year on. I don't know much about uh, the Dakar, but I can't imagine they were a super good team this year. But no. nobody well, heard anything go. about them this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead now, Laura. I'm, I am done. Uh, oh, no, I'm, I was I'm just done looking say, in the background here. Now. Um, you know, like they're not top of mind. Like the Q had a whole bunch of other stories this year, and not all of them were good. So. Um, one of the things is, so this, we have a listener, um, I like this, this, this name, ASAP Gravy, excellent display name. Uh, we've heard about the Reinbacher cider comparisons all season long, but how would you feel about a stylistic comparison to Aaron Ekblad? Not necessarily an offensive dynamo, but a big body, a smooth skater who can still move the puck fairly well with a big shot from the point. That sounds like Reinbacher to a point. The, the issue with NHL comes, and we run to the, into this everywhere, every year when we try to make our shades up, so we give player comparisons to every prospect, is that we don't know every NHL or like we're prospect guys. So we watch the, the junior leagues, but we ran out of example when trying to compare players. So I don't know Ekblad that well. I remember him when he played more in junior, and I, I watched some of his games, of course, but I guess the general prototype fits. Uh, I think Ekholm uh, would be a better fit, or Kendry Miller, maybe those, those kinds of guys. Or Cider. Um, <laughs> and Cider. Uh, it's it's not, really I, I want to say something about it. When I talk about Cider, it's really a, a style comp and a development comp. Not really like the exact player in the NHL, but more the pathway he could take in his development. I think another thing too is that this is going off tangent. It's not a question. Is that one of the things that one like our listeners in particular that I've noticed is that they're a little bit worried about the lack of balance in terms of size. I know, like we, you know, we have a lot of debates about skill versus size, and I think everybody agrees if you've got two players who are an equal level of skill, do you take the larger player in today's NHL? But I think one of the things is that, and and we'll we'll obviously be watching how they draft this year because this is going to be the second draft for this front office, is that I think one of the reasons people are very married to this idea is because he is a big body who can move, right? I think that's a big thing. So it's, it's not discounted. And again, I think for me, my philosophy is not that, like you said, it's not exciting, right? It's not a bad pick. It's not... It's just that you are drafting so high. Just go for literally the highest upside you can find at fifth, right? Like that, that's my philosophy because you've got a ton of other picks to make safe picks at, right? Um, and speaking of those, um, this comes from Hockey Ninja. David, what RD would you say is the best draft for the Habs around picks 31st or 37th? So assuming they keep the Florida pick. But are the let me look at our list. Um, there's Lucas Dragicevic. Um, he's uh, just make <laughs> just want to make sure that he's really. Some people are very good at knowing the handling side of prospect immediately or player. I'm not one of the, those guys. I have to really check every time. Yes, he's RD. 
And he's a very offensive defenseman. So he gets his points on the power play and about moving the puck up ice too. He's very smart, like he's deceptive in the way he moves the puck. He's very intelligent in the way he moves away from the puck too. So he attacks the puck as of space. He goes for backdoor plays. He he was going to fake the defenders at the point and create lanes for his shot. Like he he's a power play quarterback. And even at five on five in junior, he's a quarterback. So he's very smart. Um, but his skating isn't great right now, and he needs to really learn to defend. So that might be a problem at, at the next level. It's going to be a more of a long-term project. And one defenseman that we really like, I just want to make sure that he's still, yeah, he shoots right too, it's Bo Aiki. We have him a bit higher than other scouting agencies, but he, what he does well is that he's hypermobile. So he's almost the opposite of Dretchusevic. He defends the rush very well. He moves back very well too. Some games, some some games, he's more of a safe uh, shutdown defenseman. But he has these amazing flashes of offensive ability too. And he played behind um, Brent Clark this season, so he didn't have all of the offensive opportunities. But next year, when he goes back, he's going to get a lot more packages, a lot more chances to run the offense. Highly mobile, mobile is his defensive game projects very well, and his puck moving game kept improving during the year. He has a ton of skill, uh, so we, we really really like him. He's like he's a great package of tools on which you bet, and you hope that he really develop with those tools over the next years. Uh, we've got a couple of more questions. So uh, one of the questions was with rumors that Montreal wants to move up to fourth overall, is it worth it or not? Actually, the rumors are cooking that they're trying to move up to second. So Scott and I are going to spend a conser- considerable amount of time on our Friday episode talking about this um, because right now we don't know. There's like a lot of talk and a lot of insiders. And again, you have to bet on Anaheim being willing to be a willing partner. Um, so I'll move on from that for now and go the other way around. So I've got Martin St. Louis um, on Twitter. Martin St. Louis, not the official Martin St. Louis. Uh, could mm. the Habs trade down <laughs> three to four spots to get an additional asset? Yeah, I like to think that it's the real Martin Saint Louis. Asking us could the Habs yeah, trade down? Does he have his eye on somebody in like that seven to ten range? <laughs> yeah, so, it's probably going to be Zach Benson, of course. Like <laughs> the same kind of size, some kind of actually the, the the play style fits like the comparison too. Like he's very hardworking. He has this uh, ability to play on the boards and make plays against much bigger defenders. He he bounces off check like, like Martin Saint Louis, and he has that kind of vision too. Uh, he's very diverse, so I don't, it's not the exact comparison, but in terms of style, it kind of fits. And um, Zach Benson is the probably the second smartest player in this draft, uh, except for Conor Bedard, uh, because he he doesn't have the same creativity necessarily with the puck, but in terms of positioning and in terms of vision of play and orchestrating the offensive play with short passes and moving in the right spot at the right time, playing defensively, playing inside the system, He's super smart. Like his game is highly mature and he has all those details and on top of it, a lot of skill too. So he's the perfect package except for the average skating and the size. And those things always scare NHL scouts, NHL GMs especially. But if he falls too much, it's going to become the steal of the draft for sure. So I would trade down like to seven, eight, nine spot and get some more assets and draft Zach Benson there for sure. So, so how mad would you be though if they trade down and just take Dvorsky instead? 
Uh, they would get more assets, so it wouldn't be like, <laughs> a bad trade. But there's a pretty big gap, I feel, between Dorsky's upside and Ryan Leonard uh, and Will Smith, for example. I think the the, um, the thing with Dorsky is that he's perceived as this safe middle six center, I guess, like physical guy who's very mature right now. But he's not really that. Like his game is very immature right now. He tried to play at a professional level this season, and he played great inside the, the team system. Like he. It was not a, a liability defensively or anything, but he has high-end skills, but he doesn't know how to use them yet. So he really needs to spend a lot of time like refining his game. So there's upside in this game. I just don't think the hockey sense is as high as Leonard and Smith and Benson, for example. So there might be a limit to how much he can improve. But when someone is that toolsy, like it's easier for them to find solutions to defensive pressure and really improve. Like the more tools they have, the, the stronger they're development foundation really is so i like Dvorsky, just not as much as benson and the other guys i mean so a question that comes up with benson a lot is obviously the skating every every person we've asked about it as well do you think that his awareness on the ice will enable him to kind of get around that or is it just one of those things where it's just always going to plague him it's always going to play him. That's the real <laughs> answer. Uh, because he's going to find ways around, like you said, but it's still a weakness. Like, you have to account for it. It's going to be harder for him to play in the NHL than Vorsky, for example. Maybe he's not the exact, like, player I should choose for that because Vorsky's speed right now is not that great, but he's six foot two, So already he has more reach. He's more stronger physically. It's easier for him to absorb contact. Like, he has the better tools of the... Mm, that's arguable but he has the better <laughs> measurements in physique of the two so the 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 taller you are the faster you are the easier the game is so the game is going to be harder for benson but even if the playing field is not leveled he's going to find ways to create a lot more than Vorsky, i think because he's just that smart and you you bank on on the hockey sense that high i think so we've got i'm going to do three more questions um one of them is from Jack I. King. I think that that's what the, the display name is. Hello, David. Glad to follow your work. You have Leonard and number six ahead of Smith and below Michkov and Benson. What emotion do you think you would experience? Put yourself in that in the shoes of a Habs fan, uh, but with your expertise. Um, uh, what emotion do you think you would experience if the Habs picked him at number five while Michkov, Benson are still available? Or if they happen to take Smith ahead of Leonard at number five. Just, just to make sure I understand the question. Does he mean pick Leonard at five? Uh, yeah, in the if first they part? pick Leonard ahead of Michkov and Benson. Or if they take Smith ahead of Leonard. I think there's quite a gap between Michkov and like uh, Smith and, and Leonard. We didn't talk about him, but... It's just that the, the hockey senses, like I, I called Benson the second smartest player in this draft, but there's also an argument for Mitchkov. Just that I like Benson's detail uh, details a bit more, but in terms of scoring creativity, like he's next to Bedar, really. And I said this on another podcast, but he can uh, score in a variety of ways. Like he has those, he can orchestrate passing plays and slow down the game, like. Uh, Patrick or Patrick Kane and really make short passes all the way to the net or he can just ram through in a defense and really get to net himself because he has those kind of skills and he's a bit of a bulldozer like Brandon Gallagher too so it's like a mix of Brandon Gallagher and you have Nick Suzuki in there you blend those two and you get Mitch Koff pretty pretty much except for the defensive game and the, 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 the greediness on the <laughs> defensive side of the puck Mitch Koff doesn't like defense um, so far he hasn't shown a strength in that facet of the game but it doesn't really matter so in terms of 
offensive potential, like pure point production and um, a player that's also going to perform well in the playoff, I think, with his style. I would really pick Michkov, and it would be a mistake for me to to pass on him at five. Although I do understand, like, it's not just that um, there's a contract situation there, it's that also that you won't get control over his development, and Michkov has some bad habits and kind of a junior game in certain facets, and I'm not sure he's going to really improve that that much over the next few years in Russia if he doesn't get ice time and the right coaching. Although the uh, esteemed coaching staff and development staff, they're pretty good too. Uh, we've got a really fun question from Draft Michkov, display name. <laughs> Why do the Habs always galaxy brain obvious picks? So, I mean, this front office has only been there for one season or even like the first season was half a season, right? But like teams tend to do this a lot. They galaxy brain obvious situations. And I think we can tell who uh, this listener wants, wants people to draft. Wants that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who. Uh, this is a deep question. Like I could, go, I could go on for hours on this, but I just say that as someone who's been doing this for a few years and who has uh, missed on a few prospects, like it, this is very hard because you, you learn some lessons as, as you do this and you try to integrate them to your process, but then it just gets incredibly, incredibly complex. Uh, like you want to factor in what you learned before, but you also want to tra- stay true to what you see. And sometimes you have to go against yourself too and like say, okay, I didn't like these types of players before, but I know they turned out well. So I have to go against myself and still favor those prospects. For me, it's Will Smith. Like I don't really like those kinds of players who, who try a lot of plays at the junior level. Their, their decision-making doesn't really shine that much because they're overly creative and try too many plays so they're not uh they, they're they have just a couple of dimensions to their game so i know that i have a bias against these prospects so now i have to reason myself and say no and like yeah, you've seen these other prospects turn out well and so you get all those lessons you get the interviews when you play for when you play when you're part of a scouting organization so you have to wait a ton of stuff and you're arguing with multiple other scouts so this is a very hard process and you're never entirely sure of what you're doing i think in terms of uh, strictly answering the question in its simplistic way um it's it's that i think the Habs value character a lot like they they they, they place a lot of value on players who interview well who will resist the pressure of the montreal market and i i'm i always wonder with this like you see those players at 18 and how, how do you project character like are they are they going to change their personality over the next few years like not to go back to the Shane Ward versus Slavkovsky. Like obviously Slavkovsky interviewed better, like he presented himself better. But Wright is very young, under a lot of pressure. Like is he going to be a lot different at 21, 22? Maybe. So I don't know if too much emphasis is put on this in the Habs scouting team for the top pick. Maybe it's good too because of the special market that the the team plays in. So there's a lot of factors. So I don't think the galaxy brain is just that. It's the normal process. There's so much information to account for. And it's it's very hard, honestly. And I don't have the pressure of making a pick and losing my job if I don't like hit on this. <laughs> I can I can go higher on some guys. Like it's easier for me. So uh, I'd say you got to respect the work that they do because this is this is pretty hard, honestly. And honestly, like this is another thing that I've learned from talking to you guys, but also talking to a lot of front offices is off the record, obviously, <laughs> um, is that public scouting is a little bit different in that you have to kind of remove a lot of context and and try and go 
and, and make it as like, make every pick as equal as possible, right? Like all factors have to be equal in order for you to assess like where a player could rank or should rank. Whereas like teams acknowledge their internal biases and sometimes they just really like a guy. Like they just yeah. really like what that guy showed them two years ago and they watched him throughout his junior years or whatever. And then now it's time to draft him and they've been waiting for this moment all along. Or like they just, some guys just like, they like skilled people, big people, you know, whatever it is. So like, like internal biases is very different because like they acknowledge it and they acknowledge what they want and what their style is. Whereas like, if you're a public scout, you kind of have to remove, you know, what's the Buffalo Sabres identity or what is like the Montreal Canadiens like philosophy. You have to remove that and be like, if any team got this guy, what would they get? And so I like, I just think it's so fascinating. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's, it's a really exciting time. Honestly, I love the draft just for this reason, even though I don't have a lot of, you know, expertise like you guys do. Then we have one final question. Um, I know we're going to get ding because we're going over time, but I don't care. I just love talking to David um, from our good friend, Goalie Droid. Which prospect would you most want to see Martin St. Louis coach? Uh, we already it could be about... anybody. It doesn't have to be like in the top five. It could be any any guy in the draft. Uh, any guy in the draft. That opens it up a bit more. Um, hmm, there are. Plenty of choices. We already talked about Benson. Uh, Mitchkov would be a good one too. Um, a player like Quinton Musty, honestly, because he's um, he's very raw right now. But even if he's raw, he's already very good at this level. Like he has a ton of, of tools and he's he's very creative in the way he approaches the game. But he just needs that extra intensity uh, to play it the right way and really get the most out of his tools. Like his space fluctuate during game, and I think. Um, Martin St. Louis has just the right blend of putting emphasis on skill, but also getting the most out of his players in terms of um, getting to go, getting them to go at a higher pace and really believe in in how you win as a team. So I think he, it would be the right philosophy for Musty to really become the player he can be. Like he, his, his issue right now is uh, is average skating, but he's six foot one, six foot two, and he has all the skills in the world, like playmaking, shooting. He just needs to make better decisions on the ice and develop his skating and develop his overall pace and attention to details. So it would be a great fit. And one last thing about him, he's probably going to be available at the end of the first round. So you can hope for him to fall, Habs fan. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really fun. Um, and so just before I thank David, uh, we can finally confirm and announce that uh, you're getting two Friday episodes, everybody, because you'll, you'll be getting your regular mailbag episode in the morning, dropping just after midnight, as you all know. And then you're going to be getting a live episode where you can join us with our good friend, Tony Ferrari. And it will be uh, like at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. It will be on our YouTube channel. You'll be able to ask questions and we will just be sitting there chatting, you know, an informal kind of chat with Tony and you can ask pretty much anything. I know you'll have a lot of prospect questions, um, but that, you know, we're very excited for that. So that's coming up on Friday, two episodes on Friday. Um, and in the meantime, I really want to thank David. And David, please tell us about the annual draft Bible that everybody should be going to every year, which is now out. Yeah, well, we're running a sale for a yearly subscription, and you get the, the draft guide too, and that, and it's just a, it's, it's a monster again this year. Like you won't be able to read it in its entirety, but you can always click on players, and it brings you to the, their profile, and you've got we've got something for everyone. Like if you just want simple descriptions of players, we have that. We have track stats, so advanced stats. We have 
um, quotes from NHL scouts. If you don't like our opinions, we have NHL executives anyway, <laughs> so you can still refer to that. And we have our game reports. Like if you really want to dive in on a player and read for hours about them, like we have 40, 50 game reports about them. So it's it's in depth. It's beautiful. Honestly, we have a great graphic designer, like someone who helped us with that. We're really, really proud of it. I think it's our best pro product as of now. And uh, yeah, subscribe to Epirming Side. We have a ton of articles. There's our YouTube channel too. We have a lot of prospect content, honestly. And I have to say that every year when this comes out, like Scott gets really giddy. Like he's like so excited about it. I love it. But like Scott really like he's over the moon about it. Um, and finally, I just want to tell everybody to follow uh, David on Twitter. It is David Saint and then underscore Louis, right? So David yeah. ST, not Saint. Don't spell it all out. David ST, ST. underscore Louis. Um, thank you so much, David, for your time. And in the meantime, if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. Don't forget your mailback questions. You can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So subscribe, like, tell your friends. We've got tons of draft content coming up. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>